Welcome to the Success in Every Season podcast, where success means celebrating progress over perfection every day, brought to you by Fight Forward Solutions. I'm Kinley, and today we're talking about one of my favorite topics, preparing for college. Look, I am a lifetime learner, first and foremost. I mean, I have been in school for more years of my life than I have not been in school. I'm currently pursuing my doctorate and I have two years left to go. So we are, we are almost, we're about a month out from a new year, less than a month. Oh dear, less than a month out from a new school year. And so I wanted to take this time to share my insight um, as a student, as a as a professor and an advisor. So these are things that I've done in life that have allowed me to really speak to the whole college preparation thing. And I want to talk about it today because it's such an important issue and there are so many pieces to the puzzle and I want to do everything I can to help you ensure that you have all that you need to be successful if you are on that journey. So before we get started, I want to share that the number one piece of advice, again, as a former professor and advisor, I want to say the most important piece of advice that I can give to you if you are planning to go to college, if you are starting in the fall or or if you're just looking forward the next few years this is something you need to know i want you to stop pressuring yourself to know what you want your career to be what you want to major in what you want to do with your entire life you don't have to know that right now you don't have to know what you want your career to look like or even what you're gonna major in to start college. One of the cool things about the college experience is that it allows you to get to know yourself in a new season of life, in a season that won't be like any other season. So wanna take the pressure off of yourself to have all of the answers right now and just focus instead on doing what you can to to do your best and to learn that your best will be enough. So we want to we want to really first remove that pressure. So college prep is not about figuring out what you want to major in, etc. And, and a lot of times that's what we focus on and and I've taught courses at the university level that help students figure out what would be a good fit for a major and how to leverage their academic resources, but as we prepare for college, some of the things that we think about are are things that we can think about later. So if you're making plans and if you are looking at college in the next few years, then understand that you have so many options and it's so different. You know, this is going to make me sound so old, but it's so different uh, right now than, than how it was when I was entering college. Now I entered college later in life than a lot of people. And that's worked really well for me actually, but, um, it's, there are just so many more resources and COVID, um, as awful as 
COVID has been for, for some, um, it really has significantly changed the, the landscape across higher education. So where, where before COVID, yes, there were some online courses available. There were schools, you know, remote courses available. Now they're plentiful and COVID, you know, I was, I was working at an elite university when, when we went on COVID lockdown and we really had to, to think critically and, and to really up our game, so to speak, so that we could continue teaching and that we could continue advising people uh, while the world was going through this incredible shift. So in some ways, it's been really challenging, of course, and and in in the sort of higher education world, it it has really forced universities to to get on board with with different learning styles and to create new opportunities so that so that their courses could stay relevant, so that their degree programs could stay relevant. So now that I work for myself. Um, I'm still a student, and so it's it's really cool to see how how these things continue to to take shape, and and how just the entire educational landscape is changing. So, uh, one of the things that was a really big deal, and is still relevant at a lot of schools, is the ACT or the SAT, and and those are things that. Um, it's in my opinion, and again, I, I work for myself now, so I, I feel really good about saying whatever I want, but respectfully, of course, but I think that the ACT and the SAT is a really poor assessment of how someone will do in college. And a lot of colleges are agreeing with that sentiment now. So you know, 10 years ago, it was very common, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it was common for students to have to submit ACT and SAT scores. And they do at some schools. I mean, a lot of schools do require that, but there are a lot of them that don't. And those who do, many universities now, uh, particularly here where I am in New Orleans, but also also in, in other schools that I that I uh, spend a lot of time following, they they are looking at the student now in a more holistic sense than they ever have before. So if you are a student or, or if you're a parent who is stressing out because of the AT ACT score, talk to someone in admissions, speak to an, an admissions counselor because you want to know if that's something that is even necessary to, to put yourself or your child through. Uh, another thing I would say that is really important when I just sort of think about, about college prep, and, and we're going through everything quickly here because that's what you do on a podcast, but um, another important thing to think about is, is financial aid. So if you're starting school, um, in the fall of this year, hopefully you've already completed your FAFSA form. If you are filling out forms for financial aid, you can find it at studentaid.gov. And that um, that is something that is important to do if, if you're planning to take student loans. If you haven't done it, there's still time. But all of these things 
um, you know, applying for FAFSA and, and just understanding how much money you'll have, what your options are is so important. And I want to speak to the fact that there's a very big difference in, in federal aid um, among the different types of federal aid. So I just want to touch on a couple. Well, I want to touch on three, the main three that would uh, be relevant to undergraduate students. So there, there's a difference between Pell Grants and loans. And further, there's a difference between subsidized loans and unsubsidized loans. So when you're starting your academic journey in college, it's important to know what you qualify for. So you learn that, you know, you get, you, you fill out your, your FAFSA form at, at studentaid.gov and they give you an estimate kind of based on the information you provided. Here's what we think you'll be eligible for. And the school is the one you can, I think you can, I don't remember how many schools you can send your FAFSA form to, but it's quite a few. So if you're deciding between different schools, each school will create a financial aid package for you that says, okay, here's how much you're eligible for this semester. And it changes, your, your eligibility will uh, change each year, each school year. So it's important to know that. So I wanna just break down the difference between Pell Grants and loans and and then further break down the loans uh, that are that are you know offered by the federal government so pell grants are are funds that that you don't have to pay back so these are needs based so if you are going to college and you are 25 or younger if you're younger than 25 um unless you're married i mean there are a couple little little um situations in this which which would shift this for someone but for the most part if you're you know under 25 years old then your your financial aid package will be based on what your parents or your guardians uh made in the in the prior year uh financially so if you're older than that, you can still qualify for Pell Grants as long as you're an you know, undergraduate student in good standing up to a certain point, up to 600%. So um, without getting into the weeds of that, what that means is that you can receive Pell Grants if you qualify financially and they, they look at your taxes, they base that on the information that you give when you're applying for FAFSA they'll determine if you are eligible to receive Pell Grants. And if you are, you don't have to pay those back, provided you, you know, stay in, in good academic standing with the university. So there are a couple different kinds of loans that apply to um, federal financial aid that are, that are a result of that. There are subsidized loans and unsubsidized loans. And what's interesting about those is that subsidized loans are also the amount the amount that that can be subsidized is based on on student need so um for the first year for example undergraduate annual loan limit a significant portion of that can be subsidized but the majority will be unsubsidized so um you know your your first year um if let's say let's say that you are a 
uh, first time freshman undergraduate, you're going to school, um, then your your aggregate loan limit will will be based on the fact that you're a dependent or independent student. It'll it'll just depend which one you are. And again, that's you know based on age and um, other other factors. But there are for for most people, you're kind of looking at the age and determining if you are going to be a, a full-time student or a part-time student, or if you're going to be, um, you know, looking at if you're going to be providing your own taxes and your parents or just your own, whatever. So there are uh, weighty little things like that that are important to know. And what's most important, I think, to know about loans is that just like the Pell Grants, the the loans, both the subsidized and unsubsidized loans, have limits. There is an aggregate limit, which I think as of last year for independent students, so students who are 25 or older, um, who are filing, you know, their their FAFSA based on their their personal finances. Um, I think the limit was around 57,500. Well, I know it's, I know, I know it's what that, I know it's what that was last year, but, um, so it was around there. It's, it's in the mid thirties for someone who is undergrad, uh, but who is undergrad dependent. So these are both undergraduate bachelor amounts of money, you know, but they, um, so, so it's important when you think about where you're going to school. So you're going to school somewhere and the tuition for four years comes to $60,000 and you don't, you don't get Pell Grants, then you're going to have to come up with the remainder of that amount to pay the rest of your, pay, you know, to finance the rest of your education, either through personal loans or through, uh, you know, there are personal school loans, which are credit-based um, or obviously saving for it, working for it. You can do work study and things like that. But there are a lot of things that you need to know, a lot of moving parts that I'm gonna move on from now because I know it can be kind of boring, but it's, um, the, the school is not going to spend their time reminding you of your aggregate loan limits. Those loan limits are set by the Department of Education, but the and and again i'm saying this as an advisor as someone who sat with people and and watched this happen there the the goal at the university level is for them to get students in the seats and that doesn't always align with with understanding or recognizing how much loan availability or pell availability you have to actually accomplish that so when i was working at a university I, I was the person who, who talked with students, who helped them figure out plans when they ran out of federal loan options, you know, when that money was exhausted. And uh, what one of the main reasons that, one of the main things that made me wanna walk away from that kind of work was because I love helping people with this. I wanted to help people build a strategy that didn't just put them in the seats, but also, that allowed them to graduate and walk across that stage and earn their diploma because there are so many students in the U.S. who exhaust their financial aid, then they're left with a pile of debt, usually 
around, you know, just under $60,000 and no degree. Again, the school's not going to tell you this. Your academic advisor is not going to be privy to the amount of federal aid that you have left. So it's, they're not going to tell you and it's not their job to tell you. It is your responsibility to know that those funds are limited. So we just want to talk about, you know, talk about that because <laughs> I, I, nobody really sheds light on that. So I built it into a course I taught uh, for students who were already, some of whom were already experiencing that issue. And I don't want you to experience that issue. So really important part of preparing for college is recognizing that those federal financial aid funds are extremely limited. And, and so using them, um, it, it will require self-discipline and a strategy to make sure that you're able to pay if that is how you're financing your education you will need to be diligent and and have a strategy to ensure that you don't run out of money i also want to talk about private school public school expensive school i'm not going to call out any particular school all of my degrees are from an elite private school. So there, I, I will say that, but as someone who is older and wiser than I was when I started, I want to, to tell you today that if, if you are determining, Hey, what, what school you want to go to, please, please do not, do not choose an expensive private school simply for the prestige or I just, can we just not, can we just not? I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound judgy. And again, I mean, my degrees come from Tulane University and that's not shabby, but I, I want to say that, that as someone who, you know, has, I have my diplomas on my wall. I see them, I see them daily and, and it's really cool and, and they're pretty, but, um, someone who goes to a private school versus someone who goes to a state school, um, is, I mean, it, it really doesn't matter except for whatever it says on your wall. Like it's, it's not going to get you a better job in most cases. Bottom line is most often, I'm not saying all the time, I'm saying a lot of the time going to a private, more expensive school is just overhyped. So if you're on scholarship, great, good, good for you. Go to an expensive school if you want to, by all means. But if someone's paying for it, if you're paying for it, if your parents are paying for it, do not go to an expensive school for the prestige. It's just, it's not going to give you what it promises. It just won't. Community college and state schools are excellent choices that won't leave you crippled in debt and desperate to the point where you have to take a job you don't like, to work with people you don't want to work with, to do things you don't want to do, to, to pay for, to pay for the education that you got at this, I mean, gosh, the average, gosh, I think I saw, oh gosh, maybe five years ago, the, this leaves me speechless. Um, five years ago, the average state school graduate. So, so, um, 
you know, here locally, that would be like LSU, uh, for example, um, the average across the U.S., people were coming out with $40,000 of student loan debt. And if you, which is a lot, I mean, that's, gosh, that's, that's a new car for some people, you know? Um, and those students who were coming out of private schools, some were on scholarships, so no big deal, but those percentages, that, that amount of debt was a lot higher. I mean, I worked with people who had debts that were so, so high that, that repaying their loans was like paying a mortgage on, on a nice house in, in the suburbs. So it's not, I think it's, it's great. I, I will say that one of the, one of the incredible things about working for the university that I worked at when I, uh, Tulane University was that uh, one of the perks of working there was that they paid for my master's degree, which I thought was phenomenal because it gave me an opportunity to do something that I would not have paid that amount to do. So realizing that in full transparency, I went to a private school when I thought that I would have to pay for graduate school. I was thinking of going to a state school. My husband, who has been very successful in his career so far and has worked in accounting and finance, has, you know, his bachelor's and his master's are from state schools. So um, he went to Southern Miss and got a degree in accounting and got an MBA at OSU. And so it's really important to understand that if you're paying for it, you're going to get just as much from from the community college experience and from the state school experience as you would from and, and we're talking about education wise as you would from a private school but you will not be crippled in debt because it's not as simple as bankruptcy i mean you can't you can you know you can file bankruptcy if you want to but you still have to pay your student loans back that's not something those loans that you take will require repayment. And so we really want to think about that before we start taking out money or uh, using it to, you know, subsidize our lifestyle in the process, which I did, I did um, at points, uh, which is why I'm so passionate about, <laughs> about saying like, don't do, don't do as I did. You don't want to pay interest on a laptop you bought freshman year because you don't start paying it back until you've been out of school for six months way down the road. And then, and now you're paying for something you're not even using anymore. So we just, I'm not saying that no one should ever do it. I'm saying it's really important that you are empowered to know what it is you're signing up for. Um, there are so many things that, that are really important that, that kind of go in the weeds and, we're not going to talk about them today, even though I would love to, because this is my love language. Um, but the last thing I want to say about, about college preparation today is that um, it is it is extremely important to recognize that everyone has an opinion and to scrutinize their opinions against the truth. So what I mean is 
there will be people who who tell you, oh, you don't need to go to college. And I mean, you know, you don't need to go to college to be successful. But if it's your plan, you need to understand that not everyone will be on board for it. So when you are preparing for college, you want to you want to make sure and, and this is for students and for parents, like as you're preparing, recognize that a lot of people have opinions and they don't know anything. So they're not familiar with this space. They're not familiar with the academic landscape and that's okay, but that's not the person you are going to want to go to or that you are going to want to receive advice from in such an important endeavor as, as choosing the next phase of your academic career. So it's very important to work with people who who understand the the government's educational lingo on Department of Ed, who understand those aggregate limits, who understand the difference between Pell and subsidized loans and unsubsidized loans and ACT scores and SAT scores and the GRE if you're thinking about going to graduate school down the road. So it's really important that we we guard our minds and guard our thoughts and receive advice from people who number one, who have our backs, who have our best interests at heart, and number two, who know what they're talking about. So if you want to learn more about preparing for college, I want to invite you to check out my website, fightforward.com. I will have a lot of resources on the blog and have resources on my socials that point to preparing for college and setting yourself up to be successful. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, first off, kudos to you, because seriously, I talked about Pell Grants and, and loans and how money runs out and how school is expensive. So if you somehow got to the end, pat yourself on the back and know that if I were standing right next to you, I'd give you a hug right now because it would be so encouraging to me to know that someone else thinks this is exciting too. <laughs> anyway, if you enjoyed today's podcast, just please subscribe and share it on your socials and tag me at fight forward and I'll see you next time.